Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. So if you weren't with us last week or again new this week, we started a teaching series called Overcoming You. And we emphasized last week that you mean overcome, not you like you against me, but ourselves, how to overcome. You know, you know this in your life. Yes, there's people that seem like they're out to get you or against you. Uh, maybe we work with or live with. It just seems like there's kind of that rat race that we're on. We know that the, the devil is our greatest enemy. But when we look in the mirror, probably every morning, the biggest obstacle we have is what we see, isn't it? And the challenge we face with that. So that's our series starting this new year is overcoming you. And last week you weren't here. We, we spent some time talking about the feelings of overcoming the feelings of inadequacy. So I encourage you to listen to the podcast if you missed that. But today we're going to talk about the attempt to overcome the need to be in control. The need to be in control. Just even when I do that, like control. Now, one of, the, one of the things that we, we do is there's, there's, we try to control, and we'll talk about ways we control and have control, but one of the things that practically we have in our hand is we have one of these. We have control. Now, my home has not just one of these, but it has many of them. I'm like, really? We actually have a remote to run all the other remotes. That's ridiculous, by the way. That's crazy. But I found this this to be true, that there's only one person that's ordained by God that if they're home, they're in control of this. Yours truly. I earned enough to be in the control of this home. And if I can't control anything else, I'm controlling this. Do that. Now, some claim in my home, I think it's possible, but some claim in my home this is very difficult, but you can watch... 12 to 14 channels at the same time. I, 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 I find this, because this is what I found. It's not what's on TV, what, it's what else is on TV. So I am that guy. Sorry about that. Like, we're watching that. No, we're going to change it because it's a commercial. So being in control. So here's the thing. Now, go with me on this. What if, what if this in your life, wouldn't it be nice that you could have everything via remote in relationships? Wouldn't it be nice you're able to go and someone's wanting to have a, a conversation with you and you really don't want to talk with them right now? You just hit mute and, and we don't have to hear it. My grandpa used to turn off his hearing aids, like he'd wait, do that. You, someone, someone wants to you know, share about a topic and conversation. And you're kind of bored with it. You're like, they, they want to talk about their day and everything like that. And you're just like, you know, uh, can, we, can we just change the channel? Let's, let's change that. How about this one? There's a, there's a pretty big issue that we need to deal with. And we need to talk. We need to really, we, it has, we, wouldn't it be great if you just kind of DVR it? Let's just, let's just deal with it later, right? Nowadays, you don't even need a remote. You could just say, hey, Google or Alexa, Right? And in our life, there, we wish we could just fix it with Google or order it through Amazon to take care of it, right? But there's so much in our life 
that we can't control, that we don't have the way and means to do that. And I, I have found this is that when I'm trying to take control of my life, I find I'm less and less in control of it. It just seems like things can spin out of, and so there's areas of our life. There's areas of our life that we kind of, what we say, really struggle with taking control. So here's the question. What is, what is an area of your life that you're desperately grasping for control? What is that? Now, there's some th- few broad categories, because you could actually say first is this, not, it's not a what, it's a who. There is our desire to control other people. We desire to control other people. And if we could do this, for some of us, it might be overtly out of demand, that we're, we have leverage on them. We're a boss, and so if they don't do their job, they're, they're out, right? They got, that's a threat to them. If, you're, if they're a teacher, right, you can have the, the leverage of a grade. Parents, at some point you have this window in time as a parent. You think you're in control of your kids at some point, but you do can leverage them out of, of take withholding privileges or giving out punishment. But when you overtly cannot demand control, we do it creatively and cleverly, don't we? And so we can try to, if we're good enough and verbal enough, we can kind of manipulate the situation or people along the way, can't we? We can, we can guide a conversation in a way, in an agenda, so that we get the results that we want. Because we think, we, in fact, we're confident They don't know what they need, but we know what they need. We know what's best for them. They haven't figured it out yet. And we're going to help them and convince them of that, right? And so we can do this. And if they don't go our way, then what we can do is have a wonderful tactic called passive aggressive. We can, we can, it can be the silent treatment we give. I don't want to deal with, I don't want to talk, right? And we can hold people hostage, right? Because we're trying to grasp control. And, and the challenge with this is, as we're trying to grasp control of people, the problem with them is they want to be controlled too. How dare them try to be in control of us and we're trying to be in control of them. So that happens. Another one is this, control of our circumstances. We want to control our schedules. We want to control our image. We want to control other people, what other people think of us. We really, how about this one? We try to control our future. Can you believe that? We try to control ahead, but it's, it's, it's difficult to do. And then the finally the area is this, is control ourselves. We try to control ourselves. Some of you in January, starting a new year, a new plan, you're going, I'm going to stick with this. Come on, it's January 13th. You're doing good. Don't give up, okay? Hang, hang in there with that. But what we find is that whatever we're trying to do, we, we're, there's this pull that happens to pull us in the wrong direction. See, even addiction is actually a, a sense of control. And the irony of it is this, is that, that here we are trying to, because an addiction, addiction is this, when life is out of control, I'm going to find things, and I'm going to do things so that I can get a sense of control. People have a click away, they turn to pornography. There's people that turn to, think about this, a controlled substance, alcohol, drugs, they think they can be in control of. I know when my students in my daughter's school and friends are struggling with cutting. You're thinking, why would they harm themselves? Why would they do that? Because they can't control the pain out there, but they can control the pain here. That's what's going on. And the irony and the tragedy of 
of addiction is, is that what you think you're in control of? At some point, in short order, has control of you. And so with that, we either we battle with addiction or we have addictive compulsive behavior. There is this desire to be in control of our lives. And I think we're all, whether you're struggling and medically and you're, you're in a place and you struggle that way because there's money, so many people do nowadays battle with mental illness. And it's a real thing. It's a real disease. And, you know, getting help is important to do that. Or this spectrum is, is there somewhere along the line for us, but more, all of us at some point battle, especially spiritually, to be in control. But why is it? What's deep down causing us in our human experiences? I think it comes down to this. I don't want to make it simplistic, but this is a bedrock issue, and I think is this. It's doubt. It's doubt. And the doubt is this, that it stems back from the very beginning in the garden where Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent to eat the forbidden fruit. And this is what the serpent said to them to tempt them was this. Did God really say did God really say when you eat, of your, your eyes will be open and you will be like God? Yes, the, the scripture describes that they're tempted by the, 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 the fruit that was there. It, was, it looked good to the eye. It was going to tasty for them. But what really was tempting them was that they couldn't have that and that God was holding out on them to have that. That really was what they were wanting. They wanted to go, wait a second, God is not good. Uh, They doubted his goodness, that he doesn't have the best in mind for them. So they decided to do this. A lot of people do is we just take it, we take it in our own, uh, our own destiny. We, we take hold of our, our own control of our lives. Well, once they bit into the forbidden fruit, the original sin was caused and it created chaos to this very day that we, that we live in because of that one choice to take their life in their own hands. Thank goodness for Christ. Thank goodness for what Jesus did to come and restore relationship and to bring, bring calmness to the chaos, to the cross and what he accomplished. And yet, in our human experiences, we still battle. We still battle taking control because at times we think we know what is best. And if we can't get what we get, if we can't control what we're trying to control, we're going to do all we can and we're going to fight tooth and nail to get it. Do we doubt or do we trust? Now here's a kind of a litmus test I want to give you today. And it's this statement is a true test of our faith in God. So how do you know your true test in faith in God is when we relinquish our need to be in control of our lives. A, a true test, a true, a true test of our faith is when we relinquish our need to be in control of our lives. And if there's ever an example that I want to look at this morning is I want to look at the life of Abraham. A person that battled and others battled with him to take control of their lives. This is what the scripture says about Abraham, an overall statement of his entire life in one verse. Hebrews 11, 8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he had later received as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham entered the biblical narrative in the book of Genesis First was named Abram, and you can read later why names change along the way, what God was fulfilling. And his wife, ironically, was Sarah, but her name comes into play called Sarah He, which is her name, that name actually means contentious or my ruler. And her name ends up playing out, becoming a tremendous, becomes a tremendous problem. Like most of us, she wanted to be in control of her life and be in control of her husband's life. 
You see, starting in Genesis 15, God assures Abraham in a covenant that he makes with him. And he says this in verse 1. He says, Genesis 15, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and you and your reward will be great. I will protect you and your reward will be great. Looking next, it says, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you count that, could count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and it credited to him righteousness. Basically, what God's saying to Abraham is, you're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to be a father of this promise, this incredible promise that God was going to fulfill, not only through him, but through his offspring, through a child to be born. When God, when God immediately did not answer the promises, as years went on, Abraham and Sarah did what Adam and Eve did and what a lot of us do, that we take control of our own lives. And what happens is we step away or step around or relinquish the, the, you know, our desire to, for the promises of God, and we do our own thing because we think we know best. And so we read in Genesis 15, now Sarai and Abram's wife had bore him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave Perhaps I can build a family through her. In other words, I, I know God promised what he promised, but he hasn't come through. And the timing which he wants, we want to have the timing. We're getting old in age. This isn't happening. We got to take control of our situation. We know what is best. And so they circumvented God's promise. I tell you what, when that happens, oh man. This is what happens. The story says that Abram agreed with what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai and his wife took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar. She conceived. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Of course she did. Anytime you step away from God's promises and God's, through God's will, it creates chaos. It creates jealousy. It creates dysfunction. And here they are in this home and this all that was going on. And, and because they doubted in God's promise and his timing to see fulfillment, it created chaos. Not only chaos from their own family as you read through scripture, but all of history. If you don't know, just, just look at history. The descendants of Ishmael, which is, ends up being Hagar's son that is born, is, is descended, is, is, he's, the, he's the great father of, of the, the Palestinians. And then and now and nowadays in conflict with the descendants of Isaac, which the, the, the promised child to be born by Abraham and Sarah is the Jews. We live in, we're living in the news today. Just you turn the news on in, in Israel and in the, in the Middle East and you, all the conflicts going on. You could point it, can you believe it? Point it all back to one couple decided to take their lives in their own hands and not trusting God's promises of what he wanted to fulfill because they wanted to be in control of their life. Now, some of you go, I get it, I get it, I get it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sleep with my maid, guys. I, that, I'm not going to do that. Okay, I got that. Good lesson. If my wife says I should, I won't. They're a tough crowd today. This is kind of, like, you're joking about adultery. Okay, sorry. 
right? Lighten up a little bit. Not saying that, okay? But here's the thing. You're like, no, I, I get it. Good, 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 good. No, listen, we all have Hagar's in our life. There's Hagar's in our life that we, you know, we can't get what we want. We take control. We take control in our own hands. For, for some, uh, knowing people that are single and the, the clock is ticking and they're, 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 they're wanting to, you know, find the right person and one that, a person that loves God and passionate about the Lord and everything and they can't find one. And so many times people will settle for second best. They don't hold out for God's best. They want to take control. People do this financially. They, 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 they have a plan and purpose and some along the lines, they compromise out of, out of comfort and selfishness and they, they, they forsake what God wants to do for them to be, live a generous life. The opposite can happen where somebody wants something, you can't afford it. And so what do we do? We could make the purchase. Well, we can jack up the credit card, get that creatively go to that mortgage company and get that second loan and, and, and do that. And, we, and we, what we do is we end up making a bad long-term decision for a short-term benefit because we want to take control. We try to manipulate in a way and try to shortcut our way through life. And the promises that God's called us to fulfill. We all can look back in our life at times that we've done that. It's with people, it's with our children, our spouses, our grown children, it's our coworkers, whatever it might be. There's Hagar's in our life. And really, is this who or what are you trying to control? What is that Hagar? Now, you're thinking, I've got to think about this. Some of you are like, I know right away. I'm trying to take control of this situation or this person. And here's the thing. There's a, there's a balance with that, that we are not called to relinquish our responsibilities, but yet we're we're also supposed to not stress and try to take life in our own hands at times. So what do we do? Well, I want to give you some control questions to help us through. We navigate this in practical terms in our life. Control questions to help you identify, as, are, am I trying to take control of person or situation, or am I really able to relinquish it and control to, 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 to the Lord? So the first question is this. Ask yourself, if the Hagar is in your life, is it worthy of my concern? Can you say that out loud with me? Is it worthy of my concern? That's really a great question to ask ourselves at times because there's a, there's, and to do that, there's a very familiar story in Scripture with Jesus is visiting the house of two sisters, Mary and Martha. There's a dinner party, and some of you know the story where, where uh, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping and listening to his teaching, just in awe of Jesus. And then over here, there's Martha in the kitchen, and she's, cooking up a storm and preparing all this dish, food and dinner and everything, and this, which is all great. But at some point, Martha's doing all the work and Mary's doing nothing. She's sitting on her, you know what, not doing a lick of work. And Martha's trying to give the hint. She's clanging pans and pots and everything. And, and then finally, she comes out of the kitchen and she goes up to Jesus even. She goes, Jesus, my sister is not doing any work, preparing all this food and all I'm doing. It's not fair. And Martha's, what she's trying to do, take control of the situation. She's trying to be in, in charge. And, Mar- and here's the classic words. What, is, what does Jesus say? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but a few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. Now, the Bible says, I just thought of this. 
it doesn't record her reaction to that. Have you thought about that? Maybe we don't want to know. <sighs> did she storm back in the kitchen or did she get it? And so reality for us is if Jesus was physically here with us right now, he would say to us, chill, chill. Don't sweat the small stuff. And yet we do, don't we? Oh, we do. And I think a lot of it, and this is for me, a lot of the sweating the small stuff is, is because I can't control the big stuff. And so I want, I'm looking for some kind of control in my life. We're trying to control, if we can't control out there, we try to control what we can control, and yet we've got control issues. You might have friends coming over for dinner, and you clean your house, and you prepare the food, and, and, and all of a sudden, the ding dong, the doorbell, there's people there, and you look over in your couch, and someone in your home goes, the pillows are not fluffed. Somebody fluff those pillows, you know, before the, they come in, right? There's issues there, Okay. Some of you, you have a, your parents. I remember when our kids were in middle school in age and they, they come and, you know, they, they start learning to dress themselves, but you're just going, wow, that is quite the combination. Now, we, we try to make sure there's modesty involved and all that, but at some point, does it really matter what they're wearing? Parents, does it really matter? Is this going to affect their future? Is this going to affect their GPA? Is this going to affect them getting to that right college? Is this going to affect them in their, in their career and their life and their success? Are they what they're starting to look like a bum? And so they're going to be a bum one day. That's what you're wondering about that. Will it really matter? No, not at all. We're worrying about those things. Now, some of us have these little things that we do. For me, I have to, this is counseling, I guess I'm sharing this, but I have to make sure the kitchen is clean before I go to bed. Now, some ladies in their home are like, oh, can I, can I have that? Can, I, can you come over to my house and clean that? So, no, there's something about me having to be controlled. I can't control the stuff out there, but I have to make sure if there's dishes or the kitchen's trash from there, I make sure it's clean. We have these little things we do. And, and so in our sanity and sanity and Jesus says to this, listen, Dan, Dan, Dan. Lisa, 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 Bob, 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 Bob. You, you're concerned about many things. But there's only one thing. Sit at my feet. Be in relationship with me. Ask this question. Is it worth my concern? Is it going to matter 100 years from now or 10 years from now or two months from now? Does it really matter? It's relinquishing that. The second question to ask ourselves is this. Is it mine to control? Can you say that question with me? Is it mine to control? Here's Here's the answer to some of it. Yes, sometimes it is. Sometimes this Henry Cloud, a great, helpful book called Boundaries, talks about the importance to have fences, to have boundaries. At times, you need walls. Now, that's not in the news at all right now, so just ignore that comment, okay? But we need, just keeping it right there, dangerous. But you, some of you probably have a fence, don't you? Because you have a dog, and you don't want your dog running in the, down, the, the, down the street, nor do you want your neighbor's dog in your yard. You have a fence. You have boundaries. You have walls. You have doors. It's important. And I, spiritually and, and, and emotionally, we need to create walls and, and, and boundaries in our life to create you know, what we create and what we allow in our life. So that's why surrendering control is not the same as relinquishing responsibilities. We've got to take responsibility. If you, if you mess up financially, 
You got to get on track. And that means cutting up the credit cards and getting a budget. You can do something about that. If your marriage is struggling, you can do something about that. You can pray together. You can go on a date together. You can, you can get some counseling. If it, honestly, every time someone says, I think my wife and I need counseling, or my husband and I need counseling, if you're the husband or the wife, just do it. Just don't argue with it. Humble yourself. We all need a little bit of help once in a while. If you're stuck in a career, there's no genie in the bottle that's going to fix your life. You got to do something about it. But there is circumstances and there is people and there are situations that are beyond our control. And so I want you to listen to the Apostle James who speaks to some of us as control freaks. He says this, and this is, he kind of goes off and he says, this is what some people will say. Today, at the latest, tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business. We're going to make a lot of money. And he says this, you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're, you're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a, a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Like, ooh, that's really encouraging. That's, I feel really value, right? But that's what he's saying is this is, we're trying to, we can't control our future. We can't say Alexa or hey Google at something and try to get something to happen for our future. Our future is unpredictable. So here's the thing. What, do, we, do we bother planning? No, there's wisdom. There's wisdom in looking ahead. But I would suggest you focus more on just trying to predict and plan for the future, but to prepare for the future. What can you do today? What are you doing today? There's numerous places in in Scripture where God tells us to prepare. Apostle Peter tells us this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, just as a farmer plants, prepares the soil, plants the seed, and waters it, he's done his part. And, And trusting that there will be a harvest. The same for us spiritually as spiritual farmers, that we are, our hearts are plowed and seed is planted by God's word and we believe and water it and grow and develop that God will bring the increase. God will bring the harvest in our lives. And so we can. We can prepare ourselves. We can prepare our kids. We can prepare our grandkids. We can prepare the people around us that we influence. But let me ask you this question yourself. Ask this question. What can I control today that will help me prepare for the unpredictable tomorrow? What can I do today? And do that. Do that work. Education, exercise, prayer, read. Do those things you know to do. Don't give up and doing good. There will be a harvest one day. So is it worthy of my concern? Is it, is it, you know, is it in my control? And then the final question is this. Is it for God alone? Can you read that question out with me? Is it for God alone? We need to come to grips that there's people and circumstances in our life that, that we have to completely trust over to God. And we have to some point come to a place of souls. We have to come to a place of peace in our life and trust in God's goodness despite the chaos around us. It comes down to that. We can't control any of it. So what do we do? Well, we trust in God's promises. What he said he would do, he will fulfill. And I love what the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4, this, this wonderful scripture, this is a scripture that I've prayed over people that are in hospitals and in hospices. This is a time I've prayed over the phone, I've texted it, I've Facebooked people, this scripture encouraging them this way. And this is what 
This is what Paul says. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. If you're, are you anxious about something right now? Are you stressed about something right now? Is it overwhelming? In fact, you're not hearing me because you're thinking about it. When you're anxious, you're trying to control something and that is not in your control. Then he says this, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What is he saying? Everything. You trust God. You trust over to him. And this is the promise when we do that. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when we can try to control our situation, we can't control, we get anxious. And so what we need to do is letting go and trusting. It's, Lord, I give my anxiousness. I give it over to you. And you promise this something amazing and beautiful, peace that transcends all understanding, meaning beyond you can understand. Now you think about how can you, in the midst of chaos and problems and crisis and tragedy and people, there's a calmness that, that God supernaturally can give us when we relinquish that all over to him, that we trust him for that. And can't, I can't think any more better to have is a peace of mind and heart, can you, in the situations that we're going through in life. And there's a promise there. And this is, this is for all of us that we receive, that we would surrender over to him and that he promises to give us peace. If you're struggling in your marriage and you're trying to change your spouse, good luck with that, okay? Good luck with trying to do that. You think you can, you can't. You trust him to the Lord. You want someone to be healed and sick, you, you, can't, you can't heal them. But God can do a work in them. You can trust God, encourage them along the way. You can't predict the future. You can't change the future, but you can plan and prepare and do what you can, but you trust it over to God. A true test of our faith is relinquishing our control to God. Now, I want to wrap up. If there was ever a greatest expression of letting go and relinquishing control would be Abraham. As much as we put him and his wife in a bit of a bad light, you need to know there was a fulfillment of the promise that yes, there one day are going to be fulfilled, that you are going to have a promised child. And so fast forward 25 years later, 25 long years later, this is fulfilled. And then just a few short years after they have this wonderful child named Isaac that's born, a few short years after he's born, God says this to Abraham. Then he said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. What? What in the world? Seriously. All that we went through and all that was fulfilled and everything was there, and now you want me to do what? The promise is not only my own child, but this is a promise to be a father of the nations. It's going to be through one person. And that's what you want me to do? But that's what God did. That told Abraham. And guess what? Abraham obeyed in faith. It was credit to him. In Hebrews it says, credit to him righteousness. And so he took his son, his one and only son, says, son, come with me. Kids carrying the wood. Can you imagine? Hey, dad, what are we doing? What's going on? We're going to make a sacrifice. Oh, okay. Well, I don't see any sac- you know, things to sacrifice here. That's okay. We're going, to, we're, going to build a, we're going to build a little place for fire. Come over here. By faith, trusting is, where's the, where's, the, where's the sacrifice, Dad? 
God will provide, son. Lays his son down there, ties him up, raises up the knife to kill his son. All the way believing and trusting at some point God is going to come through. But at that very moment, the Bible says the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on this boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Listen to what it says next. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught in the, by, the thorns, by the horns. He went over and, and took the ram and sacrificed as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called this place, the Lord will provide. Abraham stopped taking control of his own life finally surrendered all that he had, everything he valued, everything he had, it was all in culmination, the promise of this one child. And then God came through and fulfilled what he called to fulfill. Now, thank God, no one, God's never going to, you know, you're going to sacrifice. No, the, the calling is just crazy to think about what that would be. Can I, but I can submit to you this, is that we all have the Isaacs in our life as well. We all have the Isaacs in our life. What God has done is, is, is given us what he's given us and blessed us with. And there's a fulfillment and a promise that he has. But you know what he's asking us to do in the, in the process is to give it back to him. That's even harder. That's even harder to think, God, you fulfilled it. Now you want to give it give up for us to give us back. Yes, he wants us to trust him like he's, I've never trusted before, to relinquish control. Even the blessings that we have in our life, to relinquish them all over to God and say, God, it's all yours. You are in charge. This last year, our son, our one and only son, graduated high school. And some of you can relate to this as parents. As you, you watch your kid as they cross over in the, into, in the commencement, their, not your life flashes before their eyes. Their life flashes before your eyes, doesn't it? You, you remember the diaper stages. You remember when they're born. You remember the you remember them in the crib. You remember the first day at kindergarten. You remember you remember waiting out in the rain during soccer practices, and you remember studying and helping them study and stressing over spelling tests and, and exams and, and learning to help them drive the car. And, and all. you just go through all these flash before your eyes of all that happened in their in their childhood, and even in culmination up to graduation, where you're helping them make sure they get all the requirements and and getting all the invitations out and and the ceremonies and the parties and all. All the work goes in. And then one day, they load up their car in the driveway, and they say, well, I'm out of here. See ya. How about a hug? All right. Could you, could you tax me when you get there? Yeah, I will. See ya. It's relinquishing control. You know what? Last, this last year, kind of culmination of what we did we, we, we did as a church. There's a few, if you there's a few empty seats around here because last year we we gave birth, we raised, and we launched a whole nother church at CTK Blaine. We did it. We did that work. It's taking what God's promised and given us and to let it go to do that because He is faithful. He always provides. And we know this because He's provided before. And we know this because He fulfilled it all in the culmination of Jesus Himself. Because it leads to us to the, as we close, another story of another father who a son was, was taken up a, a hill 
and wood was placed and, and he was tied to that wood on a cross. And there was a waiting and a waiting. And guess what? There was no ram in the thicket because he was the perfect sinless lamb of God, the sacrifice of all sacrifices that the father let go and relinquished control to his son so that we can have the fulfillment of salvation for each and every one of us. So that's the fulfillment. And what is our response to all that God has fulfilled? We give it all back and we lay it at the altar. I like our team to come as we close here today. And I have this question. Who or what is your greatest concern that you need to lay at the altar before God today? What is it? If we recognize that everything God has accomplished has been done, all fulfilled through Christ and what he's accomplished, and our very salvation, our very eternity, what is there left that we're hanging on to? What is it of the old life? What is it needs to, to be sacrificed in a sense of letting go? Letting go. Because it's not a sacrifice any longer to death and for our sins and salvation. No, that's all taken care of. But how are, is what we have a living sacrifice? To lay before the feet of Jesus on the cross. Say, Lord, I relinquish my control of my life and everything that I have. I, I relinquish my very control of the people around me. Day. Some of you are battling stress, you're battling anxiety. It's letting go. It's letting go today. I'm going to invite you to stand with me to pray. And as we pray, go ahead and stand as we, we close. And I'm going to ask you to do something. So if you've got anything in your hands, put it on your chair, put it down. I want you to do this with me. I want your hands free. And I want you to put your fist up like this, like you're going to box. And I want you to repeat some words with me and the actions that we're going to do. And it starts with this. I want you to repeat these words. I confess. Say that one more time. I confess. My natural tendency is to make it happen. Put my hands out. But Lord, I choose to surrender my will to you. Okay, now put your fist out like this, tight fist. Say this with me. I confess my natural tendency is to take and keep. Put your hands out. But Lord, I choose to be generous. Freely I receive and freely I give. And one more. I want you to cross your arms. I confess my natural tendency is to criticize and speculate and to say it's not my problem. But Lord, I open my life to you and to those that are hurting anytime, anywhere, to anyone. Will you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, thank you for what you're doing because of what you've already done. We are grateful for your faithfulness. We say yes and amen to it of what you accomplished and done and the culmination, what was fulfilled, that you took, you went from chaos to peace that transcends all understanding, that guards our heart and mind in you, Christ Jesus, because you 
worthy sacrifice, the Lamb of God on the cross and for that work to be done. Lord, you provided all that we need for life and for salvation. And yet, Lord, we struggle with control. And Lord, we want to relinquish that control over to you because we want to trust in your promises to fulfill. And the reason we can trust in your promises, you've been faithful before, you'll be faithful again, all because you are perfectly good. And you have good gifts for your, fa- for your children because you are a good, good father. Lord, we pray that as you are king, be the king of our hearts in this day and throughout this week and throughout our life, we pray. We relinquish our whole life for you to be in control of it and the people around us that we love. The very thing that was precious to us, we lay it all down once again at your feet. Say, Lord, we relinquish our control and we surrender to you, we pray in Jesus' name.